Have you ever been introduced to someone at work only to forget their name 10 seconds later? The good news is you're not alone. It's happened to me too. The bad news, according to my next guest, is that the same thing happens with all kinds of business information people tell you and your employees, and it's costing your company more than you know. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. My guest today is Kitty Watson. She's an internationally known listening expert. She's listed as one of the top 25 most prolific women writers on the subject of communications, and she's also the president and founder of Intellect Inc., a global leadership firm, where her work focuses on creating more inclusive cultures inside organizations. She has the remarkable talent of being able to size up difficult situations and provide leaders with powerful solutions to build more collaborative teams that are more productive and agile. Her various assessment tools are used around the world to help zero in on where an individual or team has performance needs that need to be boosted. And they've been used in all types of organizations that have employees who need to listen in order to be more effective at their jobs. It's everything from the Fortune 500 to educational institutions, government agencies, and even nonprofits. Her amazing work has been featured in the media on ABC's 2020 and print media such as Money, Enterprising Women, and Chief Learning Officer, just to name a few. Kitty's also a nationally recognized business leader, having won multiple awards, including being named a 2015 Women's Business Enterprise Star by the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. And she's also a huge advocate for social justice issues worldwide. Kitty has worked with Duke University to offer more extensive pain management options for women with breast cancer, as well as with mothers across continents in South Africa, Women for Women and Trampled Bros NGO organizations in Ethiopia. And the frosting on the cake is that in her spare time, she also managed to co-author a book called Listen Up. It's been translated into eight languages, so we can now listen up around the world. I am super excited and honored to have this inspirational business leader on the show today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Kitty. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Anna. I want you to know that I am prepared to listen up. I am sitting straight. I'm looking very intently into the microphone right now. Is that a good posture for effective listening, even if you can't see me? Well, it definitely helps if you're intending to listen because we get so distracted these days with technology and things around us. And so when we can't be in person, if we can prepare to listen the best way possible, it does help us for sure. Well, all, all fun aside for a moment, I, I totally get how listening is serious business, whether it's, imp it's important for marketing, it's important for building employee engagement, and a whole bunch of other things. And uh, we've all experienced how frustrating it is to be talking to someone and suddenly realize that they've tuned out, that they haven't heard a word you've said. 
tell me, what's the best way to hold someone's attention? There are multiple ways, I think, and and depends on the individual and what's interesting to them. But what we really focus on is how to adapt to your listener, to think about them first and what might be getting in the way. Sometimes it's just as simple as asking if they have time to listen or if they're distracted by something else. We can sometimes pick up on that through their nonverbal cues, but many of us are so intent on what we want to say ourselves that we fail to notice that the timing is really right for the other person. I've heard you say that listeners are the ones that control the conversation. Tell me more about that. Well, it's really true. I think as a society, especially in the United States, we are told and we're, we practice being advocates and thinking about our point of view and getting our message across and persuading and influencing others. But in actuality, the only way we can get someone to listen to us is if they choose to. We cannot control where a person's mind goes or how involved it might be. Sometimes, in fact, by what we say, we send them on what I call mental trips. We send them send them out of the space that we're in because of the stories that we tell or the examples that we use or the statistics. It might get them to go somewhere else to think about something else. So we have to constantly be thinking about how to re-engage and get people to be with us. We can think at a much faster rate than a person can speak, so it gives us extra time. And if we do get off track, on board, thinking about something else, we can really lose out on the conversation and valuable information. Well, that valuable information is exactly why listening is such a critical and important leadership skill. I've also heard you say that there's different listening styles. Can you tell me about that? Yes, you know, one of the reasons that we started looking at listener preferences and different styles is because when I was teaching at Tulane University and working with clients, you, we would notice in the classroom in particular how certain things would get people and students to perk up, or if you're meeting with a client, you would just naturally adjust or adapt to what might be interesting to him or her. And so through the years, we decided we wanted to look at that more concertedly, and we started testing people to find out how they listened and what they preferred to listen to. Through that process, we identified four types of listeners, people, action, content, and time. And each of those preference types have a tendency to speak and communicate in the way that they like to listen to others. And sometimes if we do that, we miss out or we really don't adapt in the moment to what is really needed. So how can we tell what kind of listening style the person we're speaking to prefers? Because, I mean, if we could tune into that <laughs> channel, it would make a lot, life a lot easier for everyone, right? Well, it would, it would, and, you know, in addition to all the other differences, well, we've actually developed the listener preference profile, which um, helps us, and it's only 20 items, and it can identify what our preferences might be or what another person's preferences might be, and sometimes we use that with teams or groups to help them understand each other better. But, for example, with each of the four types, I'll give you a couple of examples of each that maybe people can relate to one more than the other. So the first is people, and people-oriented listener preferences generally are interested in relationships. They often respond best to examples and stories. They, they want to be entertained. They want to be interested, and they truly care about others. 
They can tune out, however, when it's not interesting, it doesn't seem targeted to them, or the language doesn't seem very inclusive. The second type would be an action-oriented listener, and this listener listens more in outline form. They want to get to the heart of the matter very quickly. They prefer someone says, I have two or three things to talk about today, and then go through those very quickly. That can be great, too, because we really appreciate people that um, want to get to the point. However, they may rush people or not allow people to have as much dialogue as they want, and sometimes people don't feel as though they care about the relationship. The third type are content-oriented listeners, and they're the ones that want as much information as possible. They might be characterized sometimes by asking a lot of questions, particularly why. They like listening to experts. They appreciate statistics and information and diving deeper. Sometimes others might see them as slowing things down because they want so much information before making a decision, for example, and that could get in the way. Yet all of those three types, you know, they're real advantages, obviously, in the workplace. The final type is time-oriented, and there are not nearly as many time-oriented listeners. However, they are focused on the actual amount of time and efficiency and effectiveness and often want things to happen um, on a schedule. They are very scheduled themselves, and so will stop listening if you put overtime feel even more disrespected if you don't honor their time and are on time, and they are great about following agendas, making sure meetings end and start on time, and so that efficiency can be really valued depending on what role you might be playing in the organization. So those are just as a quick overview, um, and I'm happy to get more information if you think it's needed, and or if that's a good start, we can stop there. Well, I think great start, and it certainly provides some insight because I I know I don't necessarily think about well what kind of listener somebody is. I kind of assume they're supposed to be listening, especially in a presentation or in a business setting, an important <laughs> meeting. It's like that's their job. <laughs> oh, come on! But I realize it doesn't always. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen always that way. And I think what's really important is that. We we do believe people are listening, and it's often too late when we realize there's been a mistake, or they've listened to what's most important to them and not what we hope they would remember. So we have to also think of ways to get people to retain what we think is most important, and it may be some things that we do to help listeners even after the fact. So after meeting, we might summarize what was said and what our action items are. Um, if we find that some listeners seem to get off track, you know, because they're interested in other topics than what we were discussing, we might bring them back to the topic at hand or ask for another meeting where we could talk about something else. So, again, we, we get distracted very, very easily in normal conversation unless there's like-mindedness about what the purpose is and how we prepare people to listen in the moment. That's valuable information. We're focusing on the re presenter's responsibility, and the presenter certainly does have a responsibility not to bore us to death, but let's talk about the listener. How can we become mm -hmm. better listeners? How can we be more mindful? 
Well, I, I appreciate your asking that because listening is a habit. And so just as we're intentional about developing all kinds of communication habits through the years, our educational system has taught us about reading and writing and, and, and speaking and not as much about listening. I mean, in a typical audience, if I ask them if they've had a course in listening, very few would say that they have, particularly a long course of a year or even a quarter or semester in college. Yet all of us have had courses in writing and reading, and many of us have had presentation skills training and all of that too. So if we've had training in those communication skills, and we have it in listening, we can take it on ourselves to begin to try to listen differently and retain information. One of the challenges is that there are so many different types of listening. So there's listening comprehension to make sure that you understood and interpreted messages correctly. One way to test your comprehension and retention is just to record, as many of us do with DVRs, is to record and use show or a program, and then afterwards, test yourself on how much you really retain. You can also get an idea of what kind of listener you are if you're the one that always remembers human interest stories, or are you the ones that um, listen to the facts and statistics or medical news about what, is, what people are learning. So all of those things can make a big difference in how we come across and what we listen to. Um, that's one way. Now, there's also appreciative listening where um, and compassionate listening where we're learning more and more about empathy and, and the healthcare professions, for example, where patients um, feel as though healthcare providers care about them individually. And, in fact, in the healthcare profession, that's one of the assessments now that patients are asked is whether or not they felt listened to heard and understood. And so we need to think about certain situations that we're in and the type of listening that might be most important or valuable for us in the moment. That's amazing. That's really fascinating. In your experience, can you share some examples of bottom line impacts associated with half-hearted listening? Uh, definitely. I mean, the cost of ineffective listening are numerous. I mean, it can be from something simple like our relationship with our spouses or friends where they didn't feel heard or we started, we talked about something the last time we met and we didn't listen well over time. And so the person doesn't feel very valued or important. Or it could be something very critical where an employee is given a safety talk about what they need to do in a given situation. And in the utility industry in particular, safety first is our motto. And there are many employees every year that lose their lives because of not following some of the instructions that were given to them and become electrocuted, for example or do something that is dangerous that hurts themselves or others. So there are many ways, and I think about for myself and our business, one of our differentiators and how we listen to clients has been the ability to listen to what people are saying they need and for us to translate that in such a way that the person feels heard when we propose proposals or respond to RFPs. So 
because all of those things can make a real difference in how you're perceived and the effectiveness of how you interact in your personal life, your professional life, and just in society as a whole. Think of right now, for example, um, what we're experiencing in the United States, and if we're truly listening to each other, many times what we're hearing is advocacy or people that have not felt heard, and they act out in different ways. Um, and so we see the consequence of when a person doesn't feel heard or a group of people don't feel heard, understood, or valued. Well, that's true. They resort to other ways to getting heard. <laughs> okay, you hear me now, right? <laughs> you know, and it's it's sad because it just escalates things. And, right, and, exactly. Yeah, it, it makes it worse. So there's really so many facets to the consequences of listing poorly and to do it right. It's it's really, it's very fascinating. Have you discovered any differences between the way men listen or women listen, gender differences? There are so many. I mean, this is something that's often very interesting to people to look at the gender differences that we have. And um, search shows biologically that men, for example, can tune out and they often listen with the left hemisphere of the brain. So they can focus in much more easily than women, whereas women, biologically, when you test it with, um, you know, electrodes and some of the things I do with my master's thesis, you can see both hemispheres of the brain operating. So they're listening not only for verbal but nonverbal cues. And so what happens is, and you can test this for yourself, for example, if you're in a gathering, a social gathering, you may be in a conversation, but women also listen and will pick up on other conversations that are going on and have to work very hard to stay in the moment with a person. Men don't find that as difficult, and there's quite a bit of research about the, the focus that they have. And in the business environment, men and women may have some differences working in cubicles, for example. Women may be more distracted in that environment than men be, unless they can train themselves to focus differently. It's interesting, too, that women often are listening for uh, different kinds of messages. And they're, they're listening for how they're relating, both verbally and not verbally, to the conversation. And men may be listening more to the words that are said and the concrete facts. And so those differences can also be very valuable when you're working as a team, male and female, because you might pick up on differences things that you might be able to steer together with that. In addition, women often ask more questions than men do um, to get more details and more information. It, there, there's a tendency for men to interrupt more frequently in conversation until women get more educated. And then there's about equal number of people with that like interruption. So if we look at it, there are differences and distinctions, and there are many more. Um, I'd be happy to share about it another time, or can you suggest some articles or books that people might read if that's something you're curious about? Well, I'd be happy to add some uh, articles that you think might be valuable to the episode page, which we have for your particular broadcast at, on Business Confidential radio.com. So if you want to send some, I'm happy to post them. It's really fascinating, these these differences that you point out. 
and that there are other sensory cues that actually can enhance the listening process. That, that's one thing that I heard coming through from what you said that is just really, really interesting, that they complement each other, and it's not just the audio by itself. Besides the gender differences, have you in your work discovered that there are generational differences? You know, in the workplace, we now have five generations sharing offices, and it, it created all kinds of leadership challenges for the senior leadership. What about on the listening side? Well, there are definitely, we're beginning to see more and more of this um, being demonstrated in how people listen um, and what is most important to them. And um, the, the generational generational differences do impact how we relate to other people. Um, older generation people often talk about how um, the younger generation speaks louder to them, and it may be that they haven't heard very well, but there's an assumption sometimes, and so that that's not necessarily a, a correct or accurate perception. We also find that between among the generations. There is a sense of how we perceive and interpret messages from others, and that's where um, communication can often break down. We've been asked frequently to come in and to talk about communication best practices among generations um, because people don't understand what the other generation means by something. I mean, for example, not too long ago, someone said that a conversation that uh, the younger worker was using um, a lot of acronyms that they also used in testing. And they said the same thing and used the letters in conversation. And the, the older person said to me, we don't ever do that. And I said, oh, really? And, they, and, I, and I said, I think we have our own set of acronyms just different. And if you don't understand them, then it feels very different. So part of it is to begin to understand um, and to see what the differences are but also what we can gain from each other. We also have to understand how people have been receiving information. Um, there's a recent study at MIT and some other colleges and universities where they're actually training their graduates to have better communication and listening skills in interviews because people have been used to using technology so much that they're not operating as effectively face-to-face. So all of those things are creating some challenges in the workplace. And part of it is, and we've just started a new workshop that is called um, Millennials Interpretation Required, and it goes from both sides of the desk. And what we can do to improve the relationships and what the needs are, one of the valuable parts of listening is that often people want feedback, and the younger generation is requesting and desiring more feedback than any generation before. And that can be time, which can be difficult for action-oriented or time-oriented listeners, and yet we see it as being valuable for engagement and retention of new workers in the workplace. This is a great topic, Hannah, which we could go into more. Kitty, we're going to have to come back and revisit this because we could talk for hours about the role of listening in employee retention and engagement. 
it's such an important topic, very hot one right now, and it also illustrates just how important listening is to so many facets of our business because besides our internal customers, our employees, there's the external ones, the customers that are paying for our goods and services, and when we're speaking to them, we're going to have the same types of circumstances to contend with especially depending on their gender and their generation. So you can just see all these different pieces of the puzzle and how it compounds the need for better listening skills. Well, and I think what's happened so often is that we take it for granted. We assume that people are listening and listening well, and in actuality they may not be. And that's what the danger is. That's the assumptions that we make. And so often, if there are breakdowns with certain people that we interact with, we may need to do some things as speakers and listeners to test those assumptions, make sure that we have the best communication possible. If we take mutual responsibility for communication success, we're in a much better position to have the kind of relationships that we want, both personally and professionally. I couldn't agree with you more because in my past career, I saw firsthand what happens when communications break down and they turn into conflict and then ultimately escalate into lawsuits. It gets so expensive so quickly and the ability to be able to communicate well and have the opportunity to recognize when you're not being properly heard or they're being misunderstood so that you can clarify is just so incredibly valuable. It's critical for being able to manage conflict and being able to nip problems in the bud before they start to hurt your bottom line. Now, one thing that's so interesting is that with all of the amazing things you've done in your career, you've found time to write a book. You co-authored the book, Listen Up. Tell me, what motivated you to write Listen Up? Well, it's actually not my first book on listening. However, I'll have to say that it's our first popular book on listening. And the reason that, that we were motivated to write that book was actually because I was on ABC's 2020 talking about listener preferences and gender differences on that show. And based on that, an, an editor from um, St. Martin's Press contacted me and said, have you ever thought about writing a book for the popular market? And I said, well, not really, but this is when I was teaching at Tulane. And she said, I'd love for you to consider writing a book with us. And that's how it started. And it was with my co-author, Dr. Larry Barker, who had been my major professor and mentor um, my master's program, and then became a business partner with of mine. And he's the one that actually got me started in looking at it as a um, an area of study. And some of that came from my own personal um, life and growing up in the military and having um, a situation where you were seen and not heard as a younger child and wanting to understand better about communication and listening. And my curiosity led me into communication as um, a graduate student to explore more and Kitty, it's interesting how the the early seeds of your career were were actually planted through your early family experiences and wanting to be heard and learning more about the whole listening process so that, you know, why weren't you being heard? Are there any other key influences that have impacted your career decisions or, you know, your philosophy and thought processes? Is there an influencer you could share with us? 
the person that has the biggest influence on me is Dr. Larry Barker, who did recently pass away. And not only did he influence me, but he influenced many graduate students the years. And his ability to ask good questions, to test uh, assumptions, was a model for others around him. And he wrote over 40 books, and half of them, at least, were on listening. And he's considered to be one of the fathers of listening, even though he was young when he started out. And he attributed some of that to how his parents listened to him. So there's so much we can learn from the gifts that we can give others, how we listen. It can differentiate how we stand out, the ability to get better information. And he was the kind of person that made a difference in many, many lives because of his willingness to take the time and to um, ask really good questions to create curiosity in others. And there's some lessons that hopefully I've learned and gleaned from my relationship with him. That's wonderful to have had somebody like that in, in your life and your career. We're just about out of time, Kitty. Are there any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners? The main thing is that listening is a skill. It takes discipline and intention, and we have to actually want to make the choice to listen to other people. And I would encourage the listeners to look at themselves, to gain awareness about how they're perceived, perhaps even ask others in the circle what they consider to be their strengths as a listener or any irritating habits that they might have as a listener that might actually help them develop some skills and the capability to make a difference in the lives of others. Because if we are a good listener, we can truly make a difference in how we are perceived, but also in how we make other people feel and what they can accomplish in life. That's fantastic, because I think we all want to make a difference and certainly feel more connected with the people that are important to us in our personal lives as well as our professional lives. So we'll definitely be including a, a link to your book on the episode page on businessconfidentialradio.com and encourage people to go check that out. Kitty, this has been such a pleasure, such a treat to have you here with us and to learn more about the process of listening so that we can become better listeners. Thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure and honor. Thank you so much. And I look forward to listening to some of your other shows. Oh, terrific. Thank you. And I look forward to having you come back. How's that? <laughs> Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Keltner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website, again, is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests, those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. 
let them help you too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media, too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then. <music>